0: Thank you very much, Anita, for ministering the music. And in way of selecting a favorite song that helps you to trust God, we'll give that opportunity after we interact with God's Word. And that's in response to what we discuss from the book of Job. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for saints who have lived before us, who have been faithful. And we can learn from how you related to them, how they responded to you. And as we interact briefly from the book of Job, we want to be sensitive to who you are, how you desire to work, how you desire to reveal yourself. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Since Adam and Eve's fall, life on this earth for most people, somewhere along the line, involves... Some downs in life, it may be relationally, it may be financially, it may be physically, it may be materially. But they usually come in one way, shape, or form. They may be short, they may be long. But it's usually best to determine how you desire to respond before that time comes than in the midst of it or after it. And I also would say it's better to learn when you're younger than when you're older, because you have more time to experience God and enjoy him as you move through the ups and downs of life. I remember sitting in college class a number of times and saying to myself as I was taking some classes, why in the world do I need this class? And in some cases, I put stupid before the class. That's just in my own thinking. As I look back as an older man, I realize those who determined what was to be involved in my education if I was taking a certain major had thought through it very well. They looked down the road and they determined this is best. I can look back now and say, what I thought was stupid wasn't so stupid. Sometimes we interact with God's Word and we say, I'll never need that. It's not a matter of whether we need it or not. It's probably wise to learn it and be prepared. So a couple of thought questions. Looking for a response. Does God explain himself before he asks us to trust him? Does God explain himself before he asks us to trust him? Okay, I see a couple of heads going, No. You will look in Scripture basically and find, in most cases, God wants people to trust him, but he doesn't explain himself. Does God reveal himself before he asks us to trust him? Does God reveal himself before he asks us to trust him? Now, that's a different question. Does God reveal himself before he asks us to trust him? Yeah? Yeah? You find consistently throughout Scripture, God reveals himself. Trust me. Or it might be hand in hand, you know, one precedes the other a little, but they seem to go together. Why would God bombard Job with questions, which make it even harder for Job to understand God? Why would God bombard Job with questions, which made it even harder for Job To understand God. Any thoughts on that? Think about it. Job wants an audience with God. And God says, okay, Job, you get your audience with me. And he says, I'm going to give you a little test. And he just question after question after question. Why would God do that? I think there's a reason. He wants Job to trust him. Him. Alone. And I think that comes through very, very clear. As we think about the book of Job, and I realize this is maybe somewhat small, Job is taking place probably during the time of Abraham. Job may have lived during the time of Abraham or the patriarchs. There's no mention of Job knowing about The Israelites, as we would call them, no mention of Job knowing anything about the covenant between the Lord and the Israelites. So it's probably during the time of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, somewhere along that time. And as you look at the book of Job overall, you have Job in chapters 1 and 2, and I see that's missing. But anyway, The beginning where the scene is set for what is happening. And we'll read through some of that in a few minutes. Then we have Job's opening lament in chapter 3. He laments. God, I don't like this. You know, he curses the day he was born and so on. Then we have three dialogues in chapters 4 through 14, 15 through 21, and 22 through 27. Job speaks, and then his three friends speak as they go along. In chapter 28, we have an interlude on wisdom. And then we have three monologues towards the end of the book. Job, 29 through 31. Elihu in chapters 32 through 37. And God in chapters 38 through 42. You know, they just speak. And then we come to the end of the book where Job repents. And God blesses him. So let's take our Bibles and go to Job, and we'll begin reading with chapter 1. Job, chapter 1. And Keep in mind that Job would not know all that we know today about Christ, but yet there seems to be a deep knowledge of God. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among the people of the East. His sons used to take turns holding feasts in their homes. And they would invite their sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would send and have them purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Now I want you to note, he was blameless, he was upright, he feared God, he shunned evil. And he was wealthy. The text says nothing about Job doing anything wrong or disobeying God in any way, shape, or form. Let's read on. Verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? So the angels are coming before the Lord, apparently from their ministries, being servants of the Lord. But Satan also comes, and Satan has access to heaven at this point in time, and he's coming before the Lord. And who begins the conversation? The Lord said to Satan. That's important. Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on the earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Now this is God's testimony about Job. He's blameless, upright, he fears God, and he shuns evil. And again, the Lord brings up Job. Verse 9. Does Job fear God for nothing, Satan replied? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? you bless blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. What's Satan saying? Satan is saying, God, this guy Job is serving you and faithful to you only because you have blessed him materially. Satan is doing what he did to Adam and Eve. He is accusing God. Here he is accusing God to his face. In his very presence. The Lord said to Satan in verse 12. Very well. Then everything he has is in your hands. But on the man himself did not lay a finger. God saying Satan. Do your thing. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest son's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sibians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Oxen and donkeys. While he was still speaking and Aunt another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came. The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down in your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Job has just been stripped of all his wealth. The stock market crashed, if you please, on Job. He lost everything. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them and they are dead. And I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Now he lost his family. That is, his children. Apparently, all this in one day. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. Here's a man who just lost his wealth, his servants and his children and he fell to the ground in worship and said naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away may the name of the Lord be praised in all this Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing pretty heavy statement lost it all. But he didn't sin by charging God with wrongdoing. As you think about chapter 1, consider Satan. He's accusing God. And now he attacks and basically destroys Job in terms of wealth and family. Satan is the one who is responsible. Job doesn't know that. Job doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't see the heavenly scene. On another day in chapter 2, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And again, the Lord is initiating, initiating the conversation. Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Again, the Lord is bringing up the issue. Verse 4, Skin for skin, Satan replied, A man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. There's something different about bodily suffering than losing possessions and losing family. There's something different about it. Satan recognized that. He lost his wealth. He lost his children. And Satan says, now, if you do something with the body... O, curse you. The Lord said to Satan, Very well, then. He's in your hands, but you must spare his life. Now God's giving Satan a lot of liberty there. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it, as he sat among the ashes. And notice what the text says. Afflicted him with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Can't stand. The feet are sore. He can't sit. The behind sore. He can't lay down. The back sore. He can't lay on your front side because that's sore. His wife said to him, "Are you still holding to your integrity? Curse God and die!" Now his wife is saying, "Curse God and die." Who's he have cheering for him? Zero. He replied in verse 10, You're you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Pretty heavy duty statement. Job did not sin in what he said. Lost his wealth, lost his children, lost his health, and his wife says, curse God and die. So what happens? in The balance of chapter two, Job's three friends come and they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word because they saw how great his suffering was. Those were some true friends, at least at this point in time. They came to him and they sat with him for seven days and nights and they don't say a word. Chapter 3, Job speaks in verse 3. May the day of my birth perish, and the night it was said a boy is born. That day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. May darkness and deep shadows claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May black blackness overwhelm its light. That night may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. May that night be barren. May no shout of joy be heard in it. May those who curse days curse that day, those who are ready to rouse a lift-a-thon. May its morning, be star- morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rays of dawn. For it did not shut the doors of the womb on me, To hide trouble from my eyes. And he goes on lamenting the day of his birth. You can't escape physical suffering. He's lost his wealth. He's lost his servants. He's lost his children. Now he doesn't have his health. In verse 12, why were there knees to receive me and breast that I might be nursed? For now I'd be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest. Again, he's lamenting all that is happening. If you please, he's whining to God. And by the way, God permits that. Psalms have laments where the psalmist whine to God. Excuse the term "whine," but they're lamenting. Job is lamenting. So apparently the seven days come to an end. Job opens his mouth. He curses the day of his birth. And then you get into chapter 4 and on, we find that Job's three friends basically try to figure out why Job's going through this. Job must have done something wrong. And they tell him, they try to figure out what's going on with Job. You know, that's pretty hard when you're going through suffering, when someone's trying to figure out what you did wrong and what's going on in your life. So you're going through suffering, you lost your wealth, you lost your children, you lost your health, and someone comes along and says, you must have some sin in your life. You must have done this. You must have treated someone incorrectly. And Job defends himself and says, no, none of that's true. Go over to chapter 11. I'm sorry, chapter 13. When Job speaks, chapter 13 and verse 20. Only grant me these two things, O God, and then I will not hide from you. Withdraw your hand far from me and stop frightening me with your terrors. Then summon me, and I will answer, or let me speak, and you reply. How many wrongs and sins have I committed? Show me my offenses and my sin. Why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Will you torment a windblown leaf? Will you chase after dry chaff? Will you write down bitter things against me and make me inherit the sins of my youth? You fasten my feet in shackles, and you Keep close watch on my path by putting marks on the soles of my feet. Job basically is saying, God, I'd like an audience with you. I'd like to talk to you about what's going on in my life. Look at chapter 23. As Job's friends respond, Job 23, Job speaks and he says, uh, In verse 2, even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If I only knew where to find him, if only I could go to his dwelling, I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say. God, I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to have a little chat with you. See, Job's three friends were trying to determine why he was suffering. They were trying to figure out answers and reasons and explanations. And Job, you know, is, I'm not sure what he's thinking, but he's kind of saying, God, you no, know, I would like to talk to you. Now go over to chapter 28, or 38, I'm sorry, chapter 38. Job's three friends are done. The fourth younger guy is done. And in 38, one, then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, who is this that darkens my counsel? With words without knowledge, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Now here is Job, he's lost his wealth, he's lost his servants, he's lost his children, his wife said curse God and die, and he is in pain physically, and God says, Job, this is out of the storm, who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge, Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you shall answer me. You think God would come alongside Job and say, Job, it'll be all right. Don't worry about it. I'll get you through this. And the Lord says, Job, I got a test for you. I'm going to question you, and you will answer. Verse 4 Where were you when I laid the foundations of the, or the earth's foundations? If Job were to answer, he'd say, I wasn't around, Lord. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? I guess it was you, Lord. It certainly wasn't me. Verse 8. Who shut the sea behind the doors when it burst forth from the womb? When it made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. When it fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. Then I said, this far you may come and no further. Here's where you haunt your proud waves. Job's answer would have to be, well, Lord, it was you again. Verse 12, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. And again, Job would have to say, no, Lord, no. And he gives him questions in chapters. 12. 38 and 39. Then look at chapter 40. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Boy, God seems pretty heavy here. He gives him a quiz for two chapters and then he says, Brace yourself like a man. I got some more questions for you. Verse 8 Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like his? And he goes on in chapter 40 and chapter 41. Questioning Job. Now you think God would come alongside Job and say, Job, you lost your wealth. You lost your servants. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. You lost your children. I'll give you some comfort. You lost your health, I'll help you through. God doesn't do any of that. Brace yourself like a man and I will question, you shall answer me. So years ago when J.T. Miller, who lived in Scottsboro, Alabama, lost his oldest daughter and granddaughter because the granddaughter was swimming and the oldest daughter went in to try to save her and they both ended up drowning so the next morning when i'm talking to jt i say jt brace yourself like a man i have some questions for you and i pose 40 questions to him that's basically what god is doing to job in chapter 42 then job replied to the lord I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is it that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job is repenting. Do you ever consider that Job is repenting of wanting answers more than the Lord? He's repenting of something. The three friends tried to give answers. and The Lord wasn't interested in answers. He wasn't interested in explanations. He wasn't interested in saying, Job, I'm going to explain myself to you. Please understand, the Lord initiated the testing of Job. Satan accuses God, just as he did in Genesis 3. But the Lord remains sovereign over Satan's activity. And Satan has much power in attacking. Now in relation to the testing. Job does not sin. He comes to the end and he repents. The repentance seems to be a. Demanding answers. So some core teaching. The Lord lets Job know he alone is sufficient and satisfies. Answers and explanations do not satisfy. They only create a thirst for more. God, i got to have an answer. And you get the answer and you go through something else. And what do you want? An answer. Job wanted some answers. His three friends are trying to figure out some answers. I think God is calling Job to radical faith. Trust me, even though you have no explanation for losing your children, possessions, and health. Trust me. Trust me. So we're talking to someone who is going through intense suffering, and they say, why me? Why is this happening? And we say, I don't know. Will you trust God? See, Job already knew God. Apparently God had revealed himself because he walked with God. He's upright. He was righteous. He feared God. And God is saying, Job, now you know me better in light of my little quiz. Trust me. Job wanted answers more than the Lord. The Lord wanted Job to have him more than answers. Job wanted answers more than the Lord. The Lord wanted Job to have him, that is the Lord, more than answers. Someone has lost their wealth. The stock market has crashed. They've lost their family. And they're sick. And they have all kinds of questions. And you say, Will you trust God? You say, Let me ask you a few questions. And you start reading Job 38, 39, 40, and 41. And they say, I don't have any answers. And you say, Trust God. The Lord wanted to be in the driver's seat, not Job. So often, children and teenagers and young adults will want answers. Those who are going through the trials of life want answers. And many times, if they get answers, they miss the Lord. They want the answer more than the Lord. And I think the point of Job is the Lord saying to Job, you have me. You don't need an answer. You have me. I'm sufficient. Whether you have an answer or not, I'm sufficient. And to our knowledge, Job never got an answer. The Lord seems kind of brutal. You know, when you think about it, some of the questions that he raised. But apparently, he's breaking Job, where Job comes to the point and says, I surrender, Lord. I don't need any answers. I just want you. You're sufficient. And it is that kind of faith in God that moves young people and unbelievers to ask questions about our faith in the Lord. Why did you go through all this mess? I don't know. What's God doing to you? I don't know. You still trust God? Yes. Why do you trust Him? Because He has revealed Himself to me. He's the Creator. I'm the creature. He's sovereign. I'm not sovereign. He's gracious. By nature, I'm not. I will trust Him because He has revealed Himself to me particularly through the person of Christ. That is why people in other parts of the world today have died for their faith. They know God. He's sufficient. He alone is sufficient. That's why Johnny Erickson taught Who has gone through how many years as a quadriplegic, loving God, administering? If you read her early books, she was a bitter young lady who basically wanted to die. And she asked a friend one time, Will you help me die? And the friend said, No. She said, I can't even kill myself. What happened? She gave up on answers and has God. One of the best things a teenager in school or a college student could say to a teacher or professor who makes fun of God is to be able to say, I don't have all the answers, but I'm content with God alone. You're demanding answers. You're looking. And you come up empty every time. I have found the living water. If I have no answers, I still have the water. You've been going from well to well looking for something. But you come up empty every time. I have the well with the living water. It's welling up inside of me to eternal life. Questions or comments? We'll pursue Job a little more next week as we just think about some practical things about faith and about God and just God alone. And one of my great concerns in America today in christian america is that we want answers more than we want god answers seem to spring after faith as I'll explain next sunday morning but it all depends on faith a walk with god so think about favorite song that moves you to Trust God to rest in him as Travis comes to lead us.